Hello. Thanks for being here. I'm Tegan, the writer and filmmaker behind One Word, and welcome to the first episode of Works. Every One Word project begins with a word. I think a lot of you know that by now. I think about this word a lot. It becomes part of my life, my family's lives. In the early days, the words manifested as essays. Last year, I began to see some of the words as documentaries. When I began thinking about works, I saw it as an audio series with guests. That being said, I'm keeping works open-ended. We'll take it an episode at a time and see where it goes. There's no promises with this one. We're figuring out as we do episode by episode here. Um, so for today's episode, the first episode, there's two parts. The first is the showcase. In the body of this post, you'll find a memoir piece by my guest. And the second part is the interview. We'll talk about the work and also about his process and some other stuff too. But one question I've had a few people close to me ask is, why works? Why that word? Why put this on your plate too? You've got a lot going on. Well, like anyone who creates, I often struggle to sit down and work on my craft. I'd rather play video games, to be honest. I've got a stack of them just waiting for me. Um, or I'd rather watch a movie with my wife. There's a lot of great movies. We're looking to see Anatomy of the Fall soon at night sometime after we put our daughter to bed or I'd rather hang out with my daughter you know watch her just freely explore her imagination she's about two right now and that's what she does and it's incredible there's a lot of things I could do with my time but there's something inside me that compels me if I don't work on a film or an essay or something like this I begin to lose sight of myself the world I live in feels less alive, less connected, less meaningful. Two weeks ago, I had a dream where I was off my path and I could see the light ahead. And the dream told me that I was going to have to exercise and start jogging to get back into that path. And all month, I haven't really worked on anything, to be honest. January was really slow. Um, We all got really sick at the beginning of the year and I was tired. But I felt inside me this compulsion. And I think this is inherent in a lot of us. I think it's especially inherent in those of us that have created works that we're proud of, you know, that seem to affect others. Which is to say this feeling doesn't go away. In fact, I think it grows with us over time. And I think that burden needs to be understood by the individual. And in this case, that's me. What is that feeling? You know, is it mine? Is it bigger than me? Why can't I be satisfied in my life if I don't create one word films? That's where I'm at right now. And I don't have answers. And I don't expect my guests to have answers either. But maybe over time this year, I can get a little closer to understanding the truth behind these questions. Hence, works episode one. Okay, backstory complete. Uh, before I introduce my guest, just one, eh, one little note 
there's an epilogue after the episode um, where I'll offer some updates on what's coming up, but also to take a second look at the interview. It's been multiple weeks since uh, I conducted the interview. Uh, conducted. Oh, that's like a really harsh word. Since I hung out with my guests and uh, I thought about it a lot and I have a few thoughts about what we talked about. So that'll be at the end. Okay, enough of me. Let's get to my first guest, Will Reedy. I am really, really excited to kick off works with a writer that I frankly have a lot of respect for. Will Reedy explores one of my favorite genres, which is the retired chef or retired cook memoir. Anthony Bourdain, Eric Rupert, Julia Child. A great cook memoir is a rare treat. There's not many of them. You could you can't fill a bookshelf with good, in my opinion, with like good cook memoirs. There's maybe ten. Um, and Recovering Line Cook, which is Will's episodic memoir series is that rare treat i really think so i'm not an expert in this but uh you should really check it out in his work uh will looks back on his time as a cook at a michelin star restaurant in europe but the project is also a reflection of the currents of meaning in his life today he goes kind of back and forth he writes about being a father and a husband navigating the world around him and he also conjures some delicious recipes for his readers as well I'll have a link to his website in the intro to this piece, so please make sure to read and subscribe, maybe throw a comment in there, tell him that you love what he does. Alright, so I'm going to plop us right into the middle of our chat, and I'll catch up with all of you after the interview. See ya. write there's a lot of meaning in it for me but often you write about being a cook which is something that's behind closed doors and no one really gets to see right mm -hmm. um and that combination was always like super intriguing to me and and what kind of drew me to my work your work and i guess so my first thing for you is why why writing if you're if cooking was also a passion what what brought mm -hmm. kind of got you writing in the first place how old were you writing has always been the thing i you know convinced myself I'd, I'd do one day and always managed to never do <laughs> you know I remember I, the first thing I started to write was plays when I was about 14 or 15 um, at school um, in like drama competitions and things like that so it was plays because I acted when I was when I was very young I acted in, in all the school plays uh, you know I went to an all boys school until I was about 13 so I, I'm being you know intensely feminine even now probably um, I was always playing the the, 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 the female parts when, when I was a boy um, and and eventually uh, I started writing the plays for like school competitions. When I was at college, which is British for high school, I stopped acting and just focused on like directing like the the school things and and trying to write stuff and then, when I started to think about university, they'd started to create creative writing degrees in in the UK, a bit more widely, and um, and that's when I started to read novels a little bit more 
just for pleasure instead of just for English class. And um, I tried to, I gave it a go at that. So really it's been there for a long time writing, but even, you know, university wasn't so great for it. You know, I did my assignments, but never really understood what else I'd want to write about. And and that was really the problem for me. Um, you know, then I, I started work. I started working kind of marketing stuff when in my early 20s and always kind of thinking and um, uh, planning, you know, fiction ideas and always trying to be very clever um you know it, when you do a university english course um at least the, where i studied you do um a lot of philosophy as well um in but you know by which you um analyze these things and i could never really get over okay what's my what's my great idea going to be about about you know what slavoj zizek theory am i going to am i going to think about how how do i get existentialism into this and and constantly throughout my 20s i was just thinking about i i need to be samuel beckett my hero has always been samuel beckett he's my great he, he's my favorite writer he's amazing yeah he's amazing he i mean i did my ma thesis on his trilogy of novels and uh, he's both obviously fascinating, but so very funny, which is what I love about him. And I just, you know, I wanted to be Samuel Beckett. I wanted to be, you know, Paul Oster. I wanted to be clever, you know, and, um, well, probably not being very clever. I really managed to, to, to do that. So I never really managed to settle on an idea. And, um, uh, and then I started cooking when in my late twenties, and which takes away all your free time. So I just gave up on writing altogether. Hmm. But um, that's where it started and how it kind of ended until uh, a couple of years ago, I suppose, when I stopped cooking. So you went to university, uh, <clears throat> writing program, uh, also a master's, I guess. So you went through like kind of a, a good amount of schooling uh, yeah. in literature. What transitioned you to cooking? You talk about this in the Recovering Line Cook, um, you know, here and there. Um, but I'm just curious, like, what was it just that you never really felt like you could figure out an idea that would carry you through, like your big idea that you decided? Or was it also life events? You know, you had to pay for a flat, da, 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 and you, you moved into cooking or was cooking always there, too? Like, how did that how did that work into it? Yeah, well, I've always I've always loved to cook. I've cooked since I was young as well. But, you know, what I in during my 20s, I worked in a similar thing to what I do now it's you know, the marketing stuff copywriting um social media uh by my late 20s I mean I really admired the people that saw it as a kind of art you know and a kind of um a, a discipline which they could find passion and meaning and and a future but I just I just thought it was so silly really um uh it was it's just I mean a lot of bother for very little it seemed in my opinion and um, well, I've been kind of just almost fantasizing about cooking for a living for a little while. And I even, I think um, when I was about 27, I did a, or 28, I did a, a an absolutely traumatic Saturday afternoon working at a, a fried chicken truck. And I mean, I was just terrible. I, I even managed, and this isn't an exaggeration, I managed to cut myself <laughs> opening a bag of frozen French fries. Oh, no. And um, I, I was supposed to, you know, help them the whole weekend, and they just told me not to come back on the Sunday. Um, and then uh, I, so I just gave up on the idea. But then uh, I met my now wife, and we went to um, 
on a holiday, our first holiday to Budapest. And um, it was just really as simple as this. The food was so good there. Um, we went to such amazing restaurants and it really did, and I hate to use the word, but it, it really did inspire me. And when we got back from that holiday, I looked at what one does to do training as a cook, which is not necessary, but because I'm a bit of a completionist, I thought it would be necessary. And, uh, and I never looked back. I signed on uh, to that training. I put in the best part of my life savings at this culinary school. And I started working at a Michelin restaurant about six months later. So cooking had always been there, but it was really just a, an absolute lack of interest in my professional life at that time and thinking I could do something a bit more interesting mm. about something I liked, I suppose. I'm curious, like when, just talking about process here a little, about your writing mm. process, you know, um, when, when do you write? Yeah, basically, it's not easy, as you'd know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, I write, to, to, to get the newsletter out, I need to write basically every evening in the week. And then I tend to not write at the weekends. But um, um, obviously, I'm up with the kids very early, so there's not a lot of chance to do it then. But basically, it's as soon as the kids are in bed, I'll work. And I'll work for a couple hours before I need to get some sleep because the kids have had me up since five o'clock. Mm. But uh, that's about it's it's in the evenings late, and that's all I'll do during the week in the evenings. So, there's not much else. So there's it's almost not only is it sort of uh, passion, but I guess you could say it's like a <clears throat> it's sort of a pastime in the sense of it takes up your free time. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's both very. I mean, I enjoy doing it. I mean, because of what I write about, which is cooking a lot of the time, I'll spend the testing recipes and stuff is at the weekend. So that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. But um, for the newsletter, yeah, at the moment, it's it's hard to find a chance to write anything else. The, write, the, the newsletter takes up most of my available writing time. Um, but it's it's like I do think I take it quite seriously, almost like a second, uh, a bit of a side job. I take mm -hmm. I take getting something out every week, which is valuable um, or of some worth every week. But and that's very pleasant. It's a very satisfying thing to be writing with a a kind of uh, such a. And I think that's the reason why I've managed to do it for almost a year now without just fobbing it off for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, because I feel something of a responsibility to it as well, as I would a job even. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate that. It's not, it's a job I love so much. So it's, uh, it's, it's not much work, if you know what I mean. And like for anyone listening, I think it's important to also recognize that like you went from pretty much like no following to a pretty chunky following in a year. Like you've done really well. Um, you know, for also like I, I you know, a lot of uh, people who listen to this probably don't know much about the platform you're on, but the 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 cooking or chef side of it, like chef cooking writing, um, is not a big. It's not like there's not like like a lot of writers really that that are in that space, right? Like there's probably a handful that I know of, anyways. I know that there's like a good maybe fifteen that I've seen. Mm. compared to like the political stuff or anything on mm. like that on that platform which is there's like you know hundreds um mm. 
and and I've like just having like been there kind of from the beginning and watching um, it unfold for you has been really cool. Just because there's a lot of people that connect to what you write, um, and I think that's a testament to to the uh, kind of emotional and uh, the emotional value you put in there. Like it, you can tell you're you're working through things while you're writing. You know, it's not just like top ten this no. or, like you're really thinking about it. Um, I figure there's um, there's a lot of people out there. Who, I mean, I'm. You said some very nice things there, so thanks very much. <laughs> but um, uh, I suppose I figure when I was well, I started writing it with a very, you know, clear purpose, and which I I, I basically uh, still kind of doing the same thing that I started off doing, which was just to kind of set down what I remember doing as a cook, you know, how it was for me. I mean, somebody, I started cooking when I was 28 professionally, which is, you know, a good decade after most people have started. And um, uh, and then I stopped when I moved to Finland and, and I basically didn't think about it much. Uh, I kind of, now I need to do marketing stuff. I'm doing this job now and, and um, maybe it will last, you know, until I stop working. I have no idea. But then this beginning this year, I started to think that was a really amazing couple of years, five years I spent cooking. And uh, it was, well, unlike, it was an experience I imagine was uh, unlike anything most people would kind of go through. What I found having writing it, I suppose, is well, I always thought I was such a dreadful chef. I was, you know, so old when I started. I was slower than these young kids running around me. And the more I wrote that story, the better I realized I was at cooking. And um, I, and I think that's an interesting, it's been fun for me to read because, I mean, write, because I wonder and hope that if somebody can read it and see that process, they might find some comfort in it because I tried to do something that I had no real <laughs> business being able to do and ended up doing all right at it. And um, when I think about any kind of meaning I mean to put into the, the stories, I suppose it's something around that. It's not top 10 ways of, you know, plucking a duck. It's hopefully just a very simple story about how uh, somebody had no idea what they were doing manage to do something how do how how do you start how do you start a piece like what do you because the, there's all there's two things going on oftentimes uh with your mm. work uh in recovery line cook um well you'll have this uh usually a capsulated moment something during those five years uh when you were working with uh a real assorted cast of characters there there's some real interesting people there um mm. and then there's uh, usually some other element that you combine with that um, either something from your past or the present like maybe something about like your children or your wife like you try to bring in your present day oftentimes into this as a reflection kind of like where you are now too um, do you start each piece thinking about a moment from your past or is it kind of is it something different like how do you have a process there or is it kind of just you have some feeling that week and you start writing and you see where it goes? I think it, it's, um, it's been a very fast year, I suppose, mm -hmm. since I, and I, uh, I started writing the newsletter has 
like two threads really one is this memoir side and the other is a little bit of a straighter kind of recipe side mm -hmm. but when it comes the, the the core thing was the memoir side which after a few months it was it became too difficult to do that once a week or okay. uh, so uh, that slowed down but when it comes to the the memoir stuff um i suppose over the months i've 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 approached it differently here and there um i think when i started it did draw a little bit more on uh occasionally it drew more on uh like my present life and in context to things i remember sometimes it's a little bit more straightforward and is just looking back on specific stages of my cooking career um in that sense it's not really there's no real the only um process i have is um i start with a part of my career it's it pretty pretty much the story goes from the start to the to the end of it and we're coming towards the end of it in a sense um the way i'm telling it in in the newsletter at the moment i suppose i don't know um <laughs> some things have been more on my mind um having having gone through the process of changing careers and also being a father one of the earliest things i wrote was you know important to that uh this sense that you know i um had always kind of found interesting if not quite struggled with the idea of being a father and being mm -hmm. called daddy and um i write about this in the context of being able to physically say yes chef which is something i heard on tv so much before i became a cook i kind of felt like i was play acting um so in that when i work right about this it's it's very contingent on something that's happening to me at the moment but um i think more often than not i try to start with the time in which i'm writing so a particular restaurant i was working at or a particular year i tried and i try to kind of in the process of writing about what happened and what i found amusing and memorable i tried to see how that mattered to that journey that process i went through sometimes it means that the, the sections will be a little bit more descriptive and straightforward i recently wrote one about how the day goes as a cook in a fine dining restaurant mm -hmm. which doesn't have much um uh prof you know profoundness to it but um other times like i said uh i try to kind of put being a chef alongside being a father and working through that but uh, i suppose it just changes so much the process um it's uh it's hard to pin down really yeah 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 but it it seems that like you've been able over this last year to really <clears throat> hone that in because you have been able to write you know fairly prolifically in the sense of you know once every week or so um which is really cool mm -hmm. to see before one more question well actually you know what let's kind of go into home blind a little along with uh this this sort of uh interview for works you you also sent over uh a I'd call it kind of like a short story, I guess I'd call it really a memoir piece uh, called Home Blind. The way you the way you write Home Blind, you know, it's not that it's a puzzle, but there's literally gaps in between the pieces. So there is a lot of sort of interpretation that happens uh, just because of the way it's written and there's different time periods and stuff. So your head kind of does, you know, its own thing with it. Um, but, you know, Home Blind kind of brings us back to uh, 
I think a pretty critical point in your childhood, to be honest. Um, I my first question is, did your dad really write that letter? Yeah, yeah he really did. That was I, I, I like I stopped at that point, just being like, this is this is too much. This is a, this is awesome. It was a longer letter, but this was what uh, this is what I remember written to me. Awful segue to fatherhood, um, mm. but what where where are you right now uh you know with the context of being a father the the home blind piece talks about it a little um and also you mentioned it a few times in this interview too like you know that, that the recovery line cooking away is often you thinking about fatherhood what mm -hmm. where where when i say where are you with it i just mean i think um you know for some context i think uh you know you're you're similar in age as me and i know a few fathers our age and i think mm -hmm. Fatherhood is something that feels like it 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 evolves over time. You know, it's not like bam, you're a father and you just wake up like new mm. name tag, I'm good. You know, it's like it's it evolves. And this piece feels like there's a bit of that evolving happening, especially by the end, where you're kind of you see your your dad with your son. Um so mm. like where how do you feel about fatherhood right now? Like where are you with it? It's a mass, sorry, but it's a ridiculous question yeah. in a way. But <laughs> yeah. To do your best with yeah. it. You don't have to. You know. I mean, it's like, I I mean, no. I mean, the, the honest response to that is I have no idea how to answer that question. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, I suppose it's a bit like trying to explain the, the concept of love, really. You know, as soon as you, mm -hmm. as soon as you try and pin it down, it moves and, uh, you're you're talking about something else almost but um uh all i know is i mean i've no one one doesn't wake up and their child is born and you become a father but uh nothing i am um a terrible um hypochondriac um i've mm. had to uh i've 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 spent some time in therapy for anxiety and things like this but um you know, even having children and knowing that um, my children are there and they're okay and they're happy, um, it kind of almost renders all my fears and concerns irrelevant. Um, mm. So being a father is is just, you know, it's, I, I mean, in, in terms of answering your question as to how much I enjoy it, I live for it and, um, it assumes every part of my existence really but um in another sense of being more interesting um where am i as being a father uh i'm i love it <laughs> i don't know what else to say really um i mean that's a great I'm answer i'm grateful yeah. for it i'm very grateful for it and i'm very happy that what i do at the moment and my working life and the country i live lets me be the father i want to be um I'm very present. I work very uh, accessible hours so that I can be with my children so, so much. And uh, yeah, so where am I with being a father? Um, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, I think. Uh, I always want to be better, but uh, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I think that's a really good answer, to be honest. Um, you mentioned before, and it's, it's, uh, I'm kind of curious about it. You said when you moved to Finland, um, there was a 
course or cultural sort of mm. course you have to go through and you bring it up uh, a bit in the piece as well like what what oh, is yeah. this um what is that i've never heard of this and yeah. it seems like in canada that we don't have anything really like that like you have to take you know people who come here do have to i think you know like pass a test or something but this sounds a little different this sounds like it's almost trying to yeah what is what is this cultural thing in finland that you have to, well, you, you went mean, through yeah i'm just so impressed by it when i moved to sweden the, the we were offered by the state well i was offered by the state um uh, language classes um pure and simple for a couple of hours in the morning so i i had to do a couple of hours of swedish lessons and then go and do a 16-hour shift in the restaurant so i managed about three weeks of that before i you know almost exploded mm -hmm. whereas in finland they um offer you this one year course almost about 11 11 months in total about six of them six or seven of them are in a, in a language class and a couple of them are in uh, like a work placement and you get and you get the equivalent of unemployment benefit so you get a small um salary to do these language classes and work experience and you learn finnish for six seven months and then you go and do a paid work placement and it's all about integrating immigrants uh, i i was in class with uh, lots of russians ukrainians as you'd expect um chinese people all around all the, from all around the world and the, the idea is to integrate uh get get the finnish language skills up so we can get into the workplace it's all funded through the employment office so it's hmm. it's um it's just a, a hell of a thing uh my finnish is still dreadful my teacher I, I i she lives near me i think in potty where i live and i'm terrified of bumming into her one day because i know she'll be disappointed with how far my finnish hasn't gone but i can still speak a bit of finnish and uh uh i think it's just incredible how the state uh supports immigrants like me to do that and it's open to anyone you know you move here and you've got residence permit you you can get onto it and it's it's not just free they pay you to do it wow yeah that's <clears throat> that's really really cool um yeah. and that kind of leads me to like my last little bit about home blind uh you actually define home blind and i think it's mm one of the coolest uh definitions of a word which uh, i love um but you say to be home blind is to be so familiar with a place a perspective a way of being that you just don't see it anymore you fail to appreciate its importance to you the influence it has had on you and i see like from reading this and talking to you now like you're you're kind of you're kind of a fish out of water you know um in finland um but also throughout your life it feels like i know you say you have a lot of anxiety but you throw yourself in into places where where it's it's like going to be different than you know because some people with anxiety yeah. high anxiety they mm. they won't do that they won't do that at all so there's also kind of a bravery uh in your work you know um when you look back and you, know, you read these crazy stories about you know wearing an extra large uh chef's uniform and people just making fun of you and and you kind of just dealing with it day after day like i think that that like on your when you look back this home blind thing you notice it you know but is that something you notice as well like do you feel do you feel i guess my question because i'm really leading this on but i guess mm. like my question is do you feel 
the act of writing gives you that ability to kind of to be brave in a situation where maybe you didn't feel brave before, give you some control over it. Yeah, that's, um, I really understand the way you're putting that. Um, I think I've always struggled with a very particular for, form, I suppose, of, if I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm very happy to be because I've written about it a lot, is, I mean, I've always struggled with a health anxiety. So I've always been a dreadful hypochondriac, and it's really well, it's it's absolutely been horrible at the times. It's really kind of um, been uh, had a negative influence on on my day to day life. And it's it's um, the past couple of years I've 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 you know and maybe even since having children I've uh, worked on it pretty well. I'm doing pretty good in that regard now. But maybe that helps explain a little bit why somebody who says they you know 20 minutes ago they have anxiety can do all these clearly you know, brave and out there things. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I I had a very particular issue and I think I've worked on it pretty well. Started with a year of therapy in Stockholm and I've kind of built on that over the past couple of years. So that's one thing. But as for writing about these difficult situations, this being a fish out of water and even, you know, you know, I, I'll put it bluntly, you know, some very upsetting things from from my past as well in my childhood. Particularly the writing about being a cook, it's it's been it's been what is the word? It's it's been a satisfying thing to to really analyze it and to look look back on it and realize that maybe just to realize what you were saying, which is you know you you may have been slow you may have been um uh uh made fun of you know well meant fun of course as as the best one is but um uh you were actually you know it gives me a chance to look at that look at those experiences and think but i was doing a lot of things right um uh the way that I, you know i got along with my colleagues the way people you know enjoyed cooking with me um the process of analyzing things again opens the re the, re the reality of the situation up to you so i mean i all, i've i'm still failing to come up with an interesting novel idea but the process of writing memoir has been hopefully um of in, you know interesting to people but from a personal level it is it's been an effective way of really analyzing what i went through and i suppose seeing how it wasn't i wasn't as bad as i thought i was really which mm -hmm. uh, have I, I at the time i often felt like the fish out of water i, I often felt like i wasn't really good enough at, you know at what i was doing but yeah looking back i mean this process has shown me that you know maybe maybe i wasn't so bad do you um do you consider memoir in our form well, yeah, I do. Um, uh, I, I think, I mean, um, I, I, of course, um, and I don't ever have. I mean, obviously, I gave some thoughts. Uh, imagining what you might ask me in this regard, <laughs> but I, I certainly. I mean, I don't know. You're going to try and give some profound, you know. I'm not going to try and rehearse some, you know, you know, profound diktat on on art, but. What I, what I, what I, and I never think of what I write as art. 
I mean, it's a little bit like, um, I mean, to do so would be to kind of like sit down with my son and think about what kind of father I'm going to be today. Um, you don't, you just think about, you know, how you can make his Lego R2D2 look sillier than it did yesterday. Um, but um, I suppose the, the the art that I find in it, in the in the process that I I kind of find myself doing is, I suppose it's difficult to describe, but I um I I I find it a lot of I do I suppose what the the purpose behind it for me is I don't even know actually I'm trying to think about how I start writing Home Blind for example, mm -hmm. which starts with an, a memory of me and and my old dear my mother and thinking about why I do this, why I'd put it on paper. And I don't really know. I suppose I suppose I don't know why why I do it. And I don't want it to say I I don't even want to say like oh to, to make sense of it. There's there's some meaning um behind what I went through on the page. Mm -hmm. This 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 essay home blind is part of a much larger story that I have written um, over the past couple of years. And the point of writing down these memories was to not talk about my story. It's about um, trying to uh, put down on paper some things I've learned living in this country and going and having gone through what I've gone through with different families. So um, I'm starting to babble, I suppose, but I suppose it is art because it's not just a, a listing of uh, uh i'm actually going to stop there because i've kind of run out of thought <laughs> for sure for sure i'm trying to say this in a polite way but i don't know if there's like a polite way to say it um you don't need to be polite okay cool so what's your consumption habits it's such a horrible way of putting it but are you do you feel like you have a healthy relationship with the internet you know again because you write a newsletter because you work in digital marketing, you're in it a lot. Um, I feel like I can relate that to that uh, in particular. Um, and how are you feeling about the internet right now and your relationship um, to it? Yeah, I, um, I, I'm on the internet far too much. I mean, I spend my, well, luckily a lot of my work is actually just doing and I don't need to worry about the internet in a sense, you know, mm -hmm. writing copy and things. And I, I, I'm, maybe I'm old, but I, I get rid of my laptop and I get my pad of paper out even even now. Mm. I'm really dreadful with, you know, I can't write on Word from scratch. Anyway, I'm, I also, I mean, I, writing the newsletter, I do get annoyed, I mean, with myself because I know that if I, uh, I don't mm -hmm. want to be ugly for a minute, but mm -hmm. my subscriber numbers will go up a lot if I twaddle on notes uh, you know, on the on those platforms, it, and if I, when I don't, they it slows down. Mm -hmm. So I hate that pressure, um, and I often don't do it. Uh, at the start, when um, notes things happened, I was on there a lot, and then I stopped, and and I kind of do it a bit more now, because, and but I I I kind of do it when I want to a little bit more now. But I I don't I I regret being aware of that reality. Um, I used to, you know, love Twitter. It used to be where I got news and 
now it's um, a mess and I, I don't find myself on there. But I think gen generally I, I should be less switched on, but I don't, it doesn't, I'm pretty good at getting rid of my phone. It doesn't impact, you know, it could be a lot worse, but I, I regret that my phone is with me as much as it is. I was in the UK not long ago and I was seeing some old friends and we were talking about, you know, things the way, you know, it's nice to talk about things. Uh, we disagreed, we agreed, we surprised each other. And we, one thing we agreed on is how immeasurable it is to see and experience the way people talk on things like Twitter. And, um, you know, personally, I, I follow a lot of journalists. Like I said, I, I always use Twitter for news. I don't tweet much myself. I never did. But um, it would just be too much for me to to keep what watching these journalists or people who I enjoy the work of. And yet they constantly use this platform to argue with each other despite the fact they know all well that they're never going to convince each other of anything. Um, I could be specific, but that would just be boring. But it's just the, I mean, I just don't, I, I, I find myself very afraid, and I don't, want, I don't want to sound like I'm up nights, but I do worry sometimes about what my children are going to be having to deal with. I'm, I can remember having to, dial up the modem to get the latest Arsenal Football Club, you know, forum going. And that was as bad as it went. Mm -hmm. And we were just arguing about whether Mark Overmars was any good that week. He's a footballer. I'm, I'm guessing you don't know who Mark Overmars is. <laughs> I do not. But, um, but now, I mean, here's, I don't know if this is, this is of any interest, but my son, Sam, he, he, he asked to make a video for, um, with his toys the other day and um he wanted to send it to these youtube creator kids that he'd seen online and even that i found a little bit saddening because mm. he doesn't understand the real the real nature of what that is he doesn't even understand that these people won't be able to see his video he, he doesn't understand they won't be able to talk back to him i suppose it's hard to explain but no, I, just, I, I get that. I, yeah. I despair for what they're going to have to go through because they're so young and they're going to be so young and they're going to have to be so much more intelligent than we were. But yeah, uh, frankly, the internet scares the hell out of me, especially as a father. Yeah, me too. That, that's a great example, actually, of, with your son um, because, you know, they might ask for, say, content from, you know, fault, like their followers or whatever. Um, but kind of you would know that they're, they're really just doing that to promote, you know, uh, stimulate mm. the subscribers, yeah. as you could say. You know, like it's not uh, for the for the joy, the beautiful thing that your son would create if he did it. Mm. It would be, it would kind of be for, you know, for their yeah. benefit. Um, you, you've got it right on, yeah. And there's something about that, you know, especially like, uh, you know, my daughter's only two, so she's mm. she's still pretty new to the whole art game, you know. Mm. Uh, but you know, she'll, she'll like kind of, you know, do doodles and, and draw and stuff. And we'll still just like put those up on the wall. Cause they're just like, it's incredible. Just there's something about just creating for creation's sake, uh, that you mm -hmm. kind of forget, I think as a, an adult sometimes, because everything feels like it has to have six purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the kind of just beauty of what they do is sometimes quite stunning, but you're, 
your answer though, when it comes to just the internet and all that, I, 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 I totally relate. I think, I think you're exactly right. There's a stat I was, I kind of pieced together uh, last, last week. And it was that um, in 95 or 94, about i think it was something like i could look it up but i'll just try to remember it off the top of my head is uh something like i think it was seven percent of north america was on the internet for about or ten percent north america was on the internet for about seven hours a week in 95 and today the average is like 84 percent of north americans are on the internet seven hours a day and that to me is actually low like i'm on the internet probably more than seven hours a day because i work like you yeah you know it's yeah. a lot it's a it's a lot it's a lot yeah um where do you see your project going you know um mm -hmm. what do you hope happens with the recovering line cook do you have any kind of goals uh moving into next year in, in particular because we're kind of on the edge of 2024 mm -hmm. right now yeah um i suppose really uh I'm, i don't really um the only goal was the same as at the beginning, which was to tell this very particular story and have it there for posterity, my own, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and I planned out how many chapters left. It's maybe like four or five, which would take us to the last day I had in a restaurant. Um, and uh, I, I see that coming. That I see I see me finishing that sometime beginning-ish of next year, some in the earlier months of next year. But um, yeah like you would have seen you know i've really enjoyed um sharing uh things i'd learned on a more practical level the more content stuff i i think i could safely call it you know recipes and and things like that and it's been very re rewarding thing getting people who aren't either my mother or even people who i have become friendly with during this because it kind of feels like it's one thing getting feedback from uh say your good self or other food writers that i'm kind of part of this quote-unquote community mm -hmm. with but it's been very rewarding getting comments from people i have i've never spoken with online before who are using my recipes and finding uh enjoyment from them and so that's something i didn't anticipate um uh and I'm enjoying a great deal. So I suppose uh, I want to do a bit more of that. I like this. I've had a great amount of fun making these videos. Um, you know, hideous as I am, uh, putting my face out there has not been a problem for me because I'm without shame. Uh, and that's been fun. And it's been nice to feel like people haven't hated them. So I kind of want to do a bit more of that, uh, sharing more of how I cook and how I like to cook. But um, I'm also, I, and all I left to fill that hole with is uh, um, the only hole I le have left to fill is what I write about um, uh, on the more reflective memoir side. Once this particular story is 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 finished, and so that that's some that's a question I'd like to answer because I think that's important to this newsletter of mine, and it's something I like a lot. Um, but um, yeah no no real goals I, I i have no aspirations to turning it into a book or a uh or anything really um it's it's been it's been fun to reach people strangers around the world 
Um, and for a guy who spends a lot of time in a very, you know, cold kitchen in a cold corner of the world, that's uh, that's quite fun. That's quite fun. Hello again. My interview with Will took place in late December. As I record this epilogue, it's early February, so I've had about a month to chew over my time with him. I want to tell you two things I took away from my conversation. The two things that affected me in a meaningful way that I won't forget. And maybe there'll be some help to you as well. The first thing, the first influence, is practical. It's about the nuts and bolts of writing, but I think it could apply to any work that you do. It really helps me to hear a writer I admire talk about the logistics of getting his work done. Will has kids, a job, a marriage, and he sacrifices his personal time to write. Every weekday, after the kids are asleep, he gets out a pad of paper and tries to put some meaning on the page. When he was talking about his nightly routine, I realized that at the core of anything creative that makes it into the world, like the things that we finish, there is a sacrifice. I spoke about this in the intro, uh, about how, you know, I'd rather play video games than write. But after a few nights of relaxing, I start to feel like something is missing. A compulsion takes over me. And maybe at the heart of this feeling is sacrifice. I crave sacrifice. It's a weird thing to say, but let me kind of try to break it down a little bit more. The root of sacrifice is the Latin sacra, which means sacred. And so the word itself, sacrifice, means to perform a sacred ceremony. And that really puts creative work in perspective, doesn't it? I can imagine myself sitting on the couch about to turn on the Xbox and thinking, I have a decision to make. Do I want to play a game? Or do I want to perform a sacred ceremony? My two options have suddenly become wildly different, and the effort to go to my office and sit down writing is now infused with a much deeper purpose. So there's that. And the second influence, harder to grasp, but I'm going to try anyways. In the interview, Will said something that hit me like a brick. Um, here, I'll, I'll play it again now. This is Will. Well, I, and I never think of what I write as art. I mean, to do so would be to kind of like sit down with my son and think about what kind of father I'm going to be today. The parents listening might understand what he means, but let me articulate what it means to me. A father gets up in the morning, and despite what he may think will happen... He has no idea how the day with his child may go. She might be cranky. She might refuse to eat her oatmeal. A child has her own ideas, her own motivations. She is her own person, even at a year old. This is, this is true. And I do not shape my child. I nurture who she is already. And bringing this back to creativity, what I create has its own motivations as well. If I try and shape it to my will, I'm not an artist, I'm a dictator. What I create is mine, and yet it is also itself. And so here once again enters this concept of sacrifice. 
I could do whatever I want with my time. But when I give it up to my creative work, I'm relinquishing what I want for what my art could be. I bring that out into the world. <sighs> All right. As we end episode one, I'm leaving with these two ideas. First, I crave to sacrifice my time to my work. And second, I should approach my work as a father approaches time with his child. Last thing before I go, I promise some one more updates. The first film of the year is looking to be done in March, probably closer to the end of March. I'm taking my time with this year's films for reasons that hopefully become clear when you watch them. I'm also looking into a physical artifact to send people who have given me their hard-earned money. I'd love to tell you more about it, so after the next film, I'll explain what I have in mind here. For now, just know that your support is very much appreciated. I know who all of you are, and it means a lot. Okay, if you like this episode of Works, and you're a writer, a filmmaker, a photographer, a painter, you know, if you work on a craft and you want to share some of what you do and you want to talk to me, then send me an email. I'd love to hear what you say. And I might take a while to respond. It's, sometimes it can literally take like months, but uh, just send me a line and who knows, maybe we'll end up talking on, on works. All right, that's it for the inaugural edition of works. Thank you for listening. And thank you for joining me on this journey. Till next time.